In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, Amen. So we're starting a new series today, and it'll last for uh, the next uh, 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 four weeks, in addition to today, so five weeks all in all, called Every Member is a Minister. Is a minister. And um, I'm sure, um, I'm sure... Uh, you've heard the word minister before. It may be it may be something that's common to you or something that's not. The word minister means servant or someone who's serving. Um, the ministry, like the ministry of finance, the ministry of transportation, the ministry is the the department that offers those services, organizes, admit, and administers those services. So the word minister and the word servant are very similar, but. Um, for the purposes of alliteration, M and M, every member is a minister. We typically use the word servant here. Can I make a confession to you? Early in the life of the church, we made a commitment that we were gonna use language that every, um, every Canadian would be okay with. So in the first year of the life of the church, we were talking about something and we we're saying, oh yeah, and then when the servants get here, they'll set this and that up. And one, one girl turned to us and she said, servants? You have servants? Where can I get some servants, right? And so we stopped using the word servant and we used the word volunteer instead because we figured that was a word that, that everyone and anyone would be able to, uh, to understand. Later on, I found something out. I found that Jesus uses the word servant and the Bible and, and the liturgy uses the word servant. So we've, I've moved back to using that word, seeing as... It's the words that Jesus used. And maybe what we need to do is maybe get a little bit educated about what is, what is a servant, at least in the eyes of Scripture and at least in the eyes, um, in the eyes of, of the church or this parish specifically. Napoleon one, once pointed to a map of China and said, there lies a sleeping giant. If it ever wakes up, it will be an unstoppable. I firmly believe that the church, forgive me, is a bit of a sleeping giant, and if awoken, it will be impossible. Allow me to illustrate. Our, our church database is called MySMSK. We have about 700 people registered, over 700 people, 720-something people registered who don't attend another church, most of which only attend this church. In trying to organize the service and organize the servants, I asked one of the servants, Nada, to um, call up all of the servants and ask them what services they serve in and who they serve with. And, and like by that means, grow the list of servants. By doing that, we grew the list to 83 people. Do the math. 83 people are serving 700 plus just over 10%. We're actually doing pretty good. A Gallup poll showed that 10% of American church members are active in any kind of personal ministry and that 50% of all church members have no interest in being part of any ministry. Did you hear that? Okay, now think about what that means. 10%, 10% are active in service. 50% want nothing to do with service. What does that mean? 
that means that there's 40% that would serve if they were given the opportunity. And I personally believe that most of you fit in that, that category. And maybe here, the ratio is much higher than 40%. When people, you know, come new to the church, I try to, 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 to find a way to, to meet them. If we cross paths, it's great. If not, sometimes it takes a week or two because I'm doing, busy doing my priest thing, right? And people kind of come and sometimes people come and go, you know, just sort of drive through the church. So I don't catch them in the first. But when I finally do, I get their number. I say, let's go for coffee. So I went for coffee with Nick this week, right? We went for coffee, went for a walk, right? And Nick told me a little bit about his life and so on. And then so on and so on. And, and this is kind of a big part of what I do is get, get to know you all as people and find out how can the church serve you? And almost, almost every time I ask that question, how can the church serve you? The person turns it around and says to me, what can I do? What can I do? Imagine if every single person who said, what can I do, got appropriately and actively placed into a service that they find life-giving. What would this place look like? What would this place look like? Imagine the 350, the 50% of the 700 were all actively happy and fulfilled in some kind of service. What would this place look like? Imagine if half the people in this room chose to serve you. What would that look like? How would that feel? That's what we're talking about for the next month. If you look at Ephesians 2.10, it's going to be kind of the verse for the whole series. It says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you get that? You and I were created to do good works. We weren't just created to do good works. We were created to do specific good works which God created also beforehand so that we could do them. You know what it's like? It's like God created the flathead screwdriver and then he created the flathead screw because he knew that the flathead screw was going to need a flathead screwdriver. And guess what? The flathead screwdriver also needs the flathead screw. Like, do, do, you, do you understand that? It, we oftentimes think of ourselves, I'm so special and I'm so unique and God created me in a very unique way. In Psalm 139, he fashioned me in, the, the, in, my, in my inward parts, in my mother's womb and, and all that. And all that stuff is true. And you are special and you are unique and God created you and he created you for a purpose. But that purpose is to serve and it's not just to serve anything he created a service which needs you. It's a perfect fit for you. So if we keep hanging out at the 10% of, 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 of church people, our servants, 90% of the stuff that God prepared for us to do isn't going to get done. 
because we've got a, a square screwdriver and we've got uh, you know a Phillips screwdriver and we've got a you know uh, the starry one I can't remember what it's called torque or something and right and but the flathead is on holiday so none of the flathead screws are gonna get screwed in because it's not it's not random you know it's not jack-of-all-trades it's God made you for a purpose. He created you and me for a purpose. And that purpose, amongst many purposes that God created us for, one of them is clearly to serve. To serve Him and to serve His body, the church. What is service? You know, we oftentimes ask ourselves, what is service? Service is simply this. It's simply a very simple definition is that service is love in action. I'm just going to pull one cable. Service is a very simple, simple definition is that service is love in action. Service is not, I love you, so I have warm, fuzzy thoughts about you as I sit home and think about you. That's having warm fuzzy thoughts thinking about you service is putting that love into action fulfilling the commandments of Christ more specifically if you want a, like a slightly more you know evolved definition service is holy love which fills the heart of a person who loves God and has lived with him and who has thus tasted how good the Lord is Therefore, he or she starts telling others, taste and see how good the Lord is. Pardon the typo. This is Bishop Ioannis the Late, not the current one, the one before was Bishop of Garbeya in Paradise of the Spirit, the chapter on service. It says, service is somebody who spent some time with Jesus and seen how nice Jesus is and said, you know what? I can't keep this to myself. I've got to go tell others. Evagrius of Pontus says evangelism is one beggar saying to another, look, I know where we can find bread. So in no way is the servant any, anywhere above those whom they serve. In fact, if anything, Jesus got down on his hands and knees to wash the feet of his disciples. If anything, the servant is below him who he serves, or at the very least is the same. But there's, sometimes there's this weird concept that like the servants are the kind of the elite of the church or they're those who direct, you know, the church or something. That's not, uh, that's not that, 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 that just doesn't make any sense. In fact, it's just very simple. It's, it's a, a friend of mine. Thank you, thank you. A friend of mine um, uh, had found out that if you got a checking account with TD or something, this was like a couple of years ago, you got a checking account with TD, you could uh, get a, a free tablet or something. So what does he do? He texts me and tells me. So I didn't really want another bank account, nor did I want a tablet at that time. So, but I thought this was pretty great, a free tablet, you know? So I texted a bunch of my friends. Well, my friends that I texted told me, oh, by the way, Mike already texted us, and you know, right? He found a good deal. He thought it was too good to be true. He tried it out. It worked. He said, let me let me spread the love. Let me spread the love. That's a very simple but clear 
version of what of what service is. Whenever I refer to service in the next month, that's what I'm talking about. John and Peter, St. John, St. Peter are in the temple and they're about to arrest them. And it says they marveled that these untrained men, uneducated men, knew could preach like that. And then they realized, ah, they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. So that's just a, a characteristic, a feature of the servant. It's not a defining feature or whatever, but it's that I've been with him enough that I'm able to, I'm able to share that. I'm able to share that with others. St. Paul says, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ. You know, um, if somebody you know, like somebody I know, this guy wears a very particular cologne. Like, I don't know anybody else who wears this cologne. Today in the communion lineup, somebody was wearing that cologne. So like I gave the person communion and I looked behind them. I'm like, where's so-and-so, right? And then, I, and then the smell went away. So I was like, it must have been somebody else. It must be that I know two people. But smell immediately brings our, our memories to life. That's why St. Paul says, we are the fragrance of Christ. People, people see you, they, they immediately you bring, you bring the memory of Christ to them. And specifically in service, it says Jesus himself did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So sometimes we talk and ask ourselves like, you know, how can we change the church from being, you know, consumers to contributors or, or uh, spectators to participants? Or that's kind of what this series is about. But really, really, that's not what it's about. Really, what it's about is understanding how much God himself has served us and wanting to model the same behavior that we see in him. In the book of Romans, it says, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. He ever made like a thousand piece puzzle and you get to the very end and there's like one piece and two gaps <laughs> and you put the piece in and you take the box and you shake it upside down and it's nowhere and, and you're just looking at it and you're like, there's 99 pieces there, you know, and there's one piece missing. What's the first thing your eye will always see? It's the gap, the hole. We're, we're one body. And if, if one of us isn't here, it makes a huge difference. Imagine, imagine, okay, waking up in the morning and one of your earlobes isn't there. One of your earlobes is just gone. You wake up and you're like, oh. Or, or your pinky finger. Pinky finger is not a very good example because we think our pinky finger does nothing, but your pinky finger is actually what gives you grasp. So I don't know, are there any plastic surgeons in the audience? Well, plastic surgeons or hand surgeons, some of them are plastic, some of them are ortho, they can tell you better. But your pinky finger is what gives you grasp. So without trying to hold something without your pinky finger or, or do this right now, do this right now. All of us think our pinky finger is useless. You know, unless you're an engineer, it's somewhere to put that funny ring that you guys wear. But other than that, it's useless, right? So do this right now, okay? Take two, fing two fingers, take your two left fingers, grasp them with your right hand as tight as you can. 
don't worry, you're not going to hurt yourself, okay? It's nearly impossible. It's nearly impossible to hurt yourself doing this. Grasp them as absolutely tight as you can with the, your entire right hand, okay? Just do this, right? Okay, you feel that? You feel how tight that is? Now do that without your pinky finger, okay? You lose more than 50% of your grasp without your, you know, they can measure that like, and they can measure that and they give you like a, a bag and you squeeze the bag or you lose 50% of your grasp without your pinky finger. We think our pinky finger is useless. It's not. You wake up in the morning and your pinky finger is gone. It just didn't decide to show up that day. It slept in that day. You know, it was out clubbing last night and it just couldn't make it to church that day. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. Although things seem useless to us, they're not. I was having this conversation with my dad. He was the one who was saying all this stuff to me. And I told him, I guess I'm the appendix of the body. To my knowledge, the, the appendix is not good for anything other than giving you appendicitis. Maybe evolution, like in our, in our evolution, maybe it was good for something at one point. We are members of one another. You need me and I need you. In fact, my life would not be the same without every single one of you. Why serve? I'll give you, I'll give you more reasons. I'm just going to bang these off so that we can try to stay within our time. It's, we were saved for the purpose of serving God. He saved us for this very purpose. It is He who saved us and chose us for His holy work. Not because we deserved it, but because that was His plan long before the world began to show in His love and His kindness to us through Christ. 1 Peter 2.19 He saved us for a holy work. For us to do a work which He designed and is holy. He called us for this purpose. He called us out of the crowd. He called you out of the crowd to serve him. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. God called you out. He called me out to serve him. Every single member of the body of Christ, every single member of the church has its purpose, has its service, has its place. You were gifted for service. Each one of us has received a gift. Minister to one another as good stewards of the manifolds of God. St. Peter is saying, you were given a gift. Like I didn't put the whole text you know, you were given a gift of healing, use it for the body of Christ. You were given a gift of preaching, use it for the body of Christ. That's what, that's what was the crux of the Pauline that was read this morning. Is that St. Paul was telling them in 1 Corinthians 14, he didn't give you a gift of speaking in tongues just so you could speak in tongues all day for your own pleasure. He gave you a gift of speaking in tongues for the edification of the church, for the building up of the church. That word edification, similar to the Latin word, you know, like the French word edifice, building, the building up. So the gifts which God has given us, which we're going to talk about, not next week, but the third week, we're going to talk about abilities, gifts, and talents. 
are for the building up of the church. Think of the person who heals somebody, who prays for somebody and they're healed. The person who's, who has prayed and, and dispensed the healing doesn't get anything out of it. The person who's sick gets something out of it. So God has given you gifts, talents, abilities so that you can be useful for others in the body so that the whole body of Christ can be built up and can be lifted up. He's authorized you for service. Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them all the things I've commanded you. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you authority. Craig Groeschel, uh, just a, a big church person, says something really interesting in leadership. I thought it was very well put. He says, delegate tasks, you create doers. Delegate authority, you create leaders. Jesus delegated authority. Jesus wasn't worried we would mess it up. Jesus knows I'm going to mess it up. And he's got a solution for what I'm going to mess up. He's got it all worked out. And I'm going to learn, and I'm going to grow, and the church is going to grow. Everything's going to be fine. He's got it all planned out. He commanded us to serve. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. All Jesus asked his disciples to do was to love each other. That's all he asked them to do. By this they will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. That's enough. St. Macarius the Great has many very wise teachings and 50 letters and this and this and this. Towards the end of his life, it is said that he became like St. John the Beloved. His sermons to his spiritual children were only a couple of words, three words, love one another. And they tell him, okay, Father, but tell us something more. They know he's old and they know he's going to pass soon and they know... They want, to get, they want to get as much wisdom as they can out of him for the monastic life and this and that. He says, it is enough for you to love one another. If you love each other, if you just love each other, you're living in the kingdom. You're living in the kingdom. You're not going to go to heaven. You are in heaven. And of course, heaven is, is promised to you as well. All Jesus wanted his disciples to do was to love and serve each other. That's all he wanted. He, after he washes their feet and so on, he says to them, as I have done, you also do for one another. Easy like that. You are equipped for service. So Christ himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip his people for works of service. He's given us the equipment the necessary things we can't do on our own i can't do it on my own when i was when we were praying before we got started i quoted a part from the gregorian liturgy which says and we while unwork and you have called us into your by your grace into your service while we ourselves are unworthy while we are unworthy by your grace you have called us into your service yes of course I am unworthy to serve him by for sure by a long shot 
but he's not waiting for me to be worthy to equip me. He's not waiting for me to be worthy to gift me, to, to give me talents and to put me in the right place that I can serve him. He's calling me to serve him now so I can grow as part of the body and we can grow together. You're needed for service. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. We kind of talked about that already. And guess what? You're rewarded for service. You know that they say that uh, there's five love languages. There's probably more, but there's five basic love languages. They say there's five languages of reward or appreciation. God knows your language. God knows your language. If it's public recognition, he can do that. If it's gifts, he can do that. If it's words of affirmation, he can do that. God knows you and it is his delight to reward you. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive a reward of inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. As you serve him, as you serve him, as he will reward you. Not because he doesn't want to reward us more, but because he's honest. So to make it really practical, okay? To make it really, really practical and simple. Ask yourself these four questions. Like in, in life. And ask yourself these questions over this week. When are you available? Are you free Monday nights or Tuesday nights or Thursday mornings? Or when are you available? Because... You're gonna, you know, you, you have a job and you have other responsibilities and you have school and you have classes and you have... So, and God wants you to be faithful in those things. And that's good. Be faithful in those things. But when is the time that you can give to God to serve Him and to serve His body? What kind of things do you like to do? You know, you like to play soccer or you like to paint or you like to clean or you like to program or you like to... What do you, what do you, what do you like to do? What are your special skills and talents? What is something that you know how to do that you would bet only whatever, 10% of other people know how to do or less, right? And who do you enjoy being with? Do you like being with children or being with the elderly or being with people your age or people older than you or younger than you or specific groups of people, people with uh, uh, intellectual uh, disabilities or people with this, that. What do you... What, do you, what floats your boat, right? With these four simple questions, we can kind of start to get a little bit closer to what's your fit for service, which we'll talk about in two weeks' time. Next week, we'll be talking about... Today, we talked about how every member of the body of Christ is important and needs to be serving Him. Next week, we're going to be talking about how every service is important. There isn't one thing that's more important than the other. The week after that, we're going to be talking about your fit. And the fourth week, we'll be putting it all together. And the fifth week, we'll be talking about how that fits into what we're doing here at SMSK for the next six months. God bless you. Have a great and fantastic week. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for loving us very much. Thank you, Lord, for calling us by your grace while unworthy into your service that we could serve you Lord that we could be useful members of your body that bring glory to your body that bring glory to the lives of our brothers and sisters Lord
Lord, I want to be useful to you. I know how to be busy, but I actually want to be useful to you by your words, by your definitions, Lord, by your perspective, Lord. I know how to do stuff. I just want to start doing the stuff that you want me to do. In your mighty name, we pray, Lord, through the intercessions and prayers of all your saints, the prayers of my dearly beloved brothers and sisters, prayers of St. Moses, St. Catherine. Hear us, Lord, as we pray to you, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom will be done on earth as it is now. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but lead us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now the love of God the Father, the grace of His only begotten Son, the gift and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace and may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.